Time now for Mining Money. Brandon Davis, Swan Energy. Imran Khan, Swan Energy. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us here today. Let's talk a little bit about mining money last night. Of course, there was a debate, or was it a couple nights ago? Forgot when it was, because my days blurred together. Was it last night? Okay, days blurred together. My phone blew up, because apparently Joe Biden said he was going to ban fracking or didn't want to do anything with fracking. Are you guys following this? Do you know what I'm talking about? He said that, and he didn't say it, too, right? He said that he didn't say it, so I'm kind of confused on which one it is. Well, that's where I'm at, too. I'm still trying to figure it out because people are saying, well, he didn't say he was going to ban it. He said he was going to ban it. Let me tell you what he did say is that he was going to phase out. Last night, he's going to phase out oil and gas for alternative energy. That's what he said, and that's what's got everybody up, up roaring, and I don't blame them. It's insane. It's basically sitting here telling everyone, the whole world, that he's going to kill an industry in our country, which puts us in a weak position for, to the rest of the world, by the way. Um, and it's absolutely the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it's like we're energy dominant right now. Like we've never been so energy dominant in our entire existence. And you want to get rid of that. I, you know, I don't know how much sense that makes. Anyone that votes for that guy has to literally hate this country. That's the only reason that someone would vote for Joe Biden, because there's no other reason. What I'm wondering is, do they even talk about a plan? Does any reporters or anybody follow up about what the plan is? I mean, we've talked about this I, before. about uh, how. No. no. I heard him say something to the effect of, he can't discuss his plans because if he does, they'll kill him or something like that. And I just was like cracking up about that, that one of the times in his... Well, if you watch the debate, Jason, the, the best part of the whole debate was in the beginning when they asked what, what would Joe Biden have done with the COVID-19 pandemic, and he explained exactly what Trump has done, like to a T. To a T. He did the same, exactly what Trump has done, exactly what has happened, rapid testing, uh, mask, well, everything that he said has been done. So what? he's not going to do anything new when he gets in there, it's a, it's a, except for shut the country down, which is another thing that did not set very well with me last night because that about put me out of business. Where are, times. What, what, what are people saying about this when, he, when they talk about phase out the industry? What I'm, what I'm trying to figure out is at what point do we say what the plan is? Because I don't hear any plan beyond just, hey, we got to do this, and, and it sounds like a great idea, you know, and let's put... It would, it would be no different than, you know, those of us that are very anti-media for the most part because there's so much bias and one-sidedness and saying that we're going to phase out media. How would that work, and what would replace it? Um, social media, which has proven to be not such a good source, Um Talking about putting in recent days. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's very, it's more, it's more biased than the news because they can, they basically can determine what you look at or you don't look at, and that is just crazy to me. Um, but there's no phasing out the oil and gas industry. Everything that they mentioned related to the phase out takes oil and gas products, as we've discussed on this show many times, to produce um, from solar panels to the windmills to uh, charging stations to the where, where's it gonna where's all the electricity gonna come from that's gonna power these cars? I mean, it's just comical to me. When I think about what you guys are doing out there, buying you know oil and gas leases and and being aggressive, moving ahead, while presidential candidates are trying to ban the industry, talk to me a little bit about that that whole that that whole thing. I I'm in the camp that. 
I don't think no matter who wins or loses, it's going to matter because we're not going to go away from a petroleum fossil fuel based society anytime in the near future. But I understand how uncertainty is in the investment world and everything like that. What 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 makes you guys so certain that you know you guys are having no problem investing in fossil fuels and petroleum and in oil and gas? There there is no certainty in business. Period. I mean, it, it, if th- things change, if regulations push to the point we can't do anything, then we figure out something else to do. Like that's just that is what it is. Yeah, with that said, um, you know, in, in recent news, there's a, a lady from Mylamar who bought up a lot of leases. I think she bought up all of the leases in Wyoming and some of the other states that are out west. BLM leases, right? Right, that's right, BLM leases. So, uh, you know, obviously others are taking advantage of the times and the markets that, that are out there right now. So That's probably the riskiest thing that you could very, do because that would be the first thing that they, you know, Biden's already said he's not going to allow it. On federal land, um, so allow drilling, which is in, which is insane because it's one of the country's biggest yeah. resources. Yeah. And she's uh, gone out and bought like I mean, the hundreds of thousands of acres uh, from a leasing standpoint. So it's anyway. I mean, it's good to be again. We're you know, it's nice because from our end of things, we're we're looking at obviously much smaller portions than that. But you know, we're we're looking at a lot of the the privatized areas that are out there and you know mainly in the Texas areas. So, uh, and there's a lot out there and, and we keep on talking with different folks that are, you know, I actually was on a call earlier this morning on some stuff in the Permian. So we're always looking out. And we're also looking for people in the, in the Houston area and in the fields around Houston that are looking for potentially just a, a financial partner for 25% or 75% or, or a piece of what they have as far as the field goes. Um, we don't necessarily have to own the whole thing. We're, we're absolutely looking for partners and places to partner with people and assets that may be suppressed now but can, gl- can grow and be better um, as we go forward. So um, you know, we're, we're wide open to, to about any kind of relationship that way. wanted to ask you about the job creation part about when it comes to oil and gas because, uh, Brandon, you're familiar with how the supply chain works just off of a lot of the different businesses that you're involved with. And Imran, you've got some other businesses as well. So you understand how the whole job creation thing works from start to finish. I remember about three years ago, four years ago, I was talking with Stephen Moore. He's with Fox News. Well, I drop a name there quick, but he does uh, uh, some heritage work and He's an economist for Fox News, Stephen Moore, uh, S-T-P-H-E-N Moore. And he told me, and he showed me the graph, where uh, Texas was the number one job creator for the nation for like, I think it was like four years during, during the shale boom. And for like a decade, it was, you know, without a doubt, the number one. But there was like four consecutive years where Texas carried the nation, including with the Bakken. That's, but the Bakken played a smaller role compared to Texas. So when they talk about banning the industry, this is a significant job crunch that goes well beyond oil and gas, because you're talking trucking, you're talking about, you know, there's fluids, and there's, there's the whole midstream, which I don't even know if they're considered in the mining industry technically at the end of the day. I'm not. I'm considered in the communication industry, even though I make my living from oil and gas. But because I'm in the media, I'm considered in the communication industry. So 
that in case you're hit, basically, right? Like many others that would be out there. For example, bankers, right? I mean, right. there's deals that bankers are making. There's people that are in other fields that actually co-basically mingle with the the oil and gas direct fields. Like we're doing things that are direct in oil and gas, but there's so many different aspects that oil and gas benefits. It's got to be millions of jobs. And and that's the part that I'm just so blown away that the media and the even the Democratic Party. For, for allowing this narrative to get, get gotten as far as it is. Um, talk to me a little bit about that supply chain and how vital it is for the economy and, and really the reality behind it, because, you know, you guys are dealing with it every day in the thick of it down in Houston. Yeah, you know, honestly, as I just pointed out, I mean, you know, the industries that are surrounding, for example, in Houston, we've got we've got a great banking industry. We've got a great uh, uh, medical industry, and, and, and then we've got oil and gas. Believe it or not, there's both uh, the other two actually probably employ just as many, if not more, uh, in that same space. But oil and gas is the reason why those actually exist, right? If you really think about, you know, from the 80s onward within the Houston area, um, and, and Houston being, you know, whatever, top four, top five in, in population all over America, you know, the reason why those areas have been able to grow so much is because of the fact that, you know, from an oil and gas industry perspective, it's grown so much on its own, right? So because of the growth from there has really transferred a lot of growth into these other industries in the space to where others have moved in. If you look at uh, 80, 86 time frame um, in, in uh, uh, oil and gas, things were not too good as a city, but... You know, as you move into the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, you know, these time frames, you've seen a big increase in population. You've seen a big increase in pricing with respect to housing. I mean, Houston, uh, uh, we didn't even talk about the housing part of it. I mean, real estate right now, Houston is booming. You know, with all the things that are going on right now, right? You've got an incredible, I have a lot of friends that are in the real estate, in the real estate industry, and they're telling me they've had the most incredible year back in June, July time. And this was, you know, straight COVID time. Uh, and they, they've done whatever they would have done the previous year within six months of the of, of 2020. So that kind of just shows you the growth factor that's there that, in my opinion, a lot of it deals with oil and gas. From my office, I can see no less than 25 cranes that are building high-rise or mid-rise apartments or office buildings. Uh, and it's been that way for three years since I've, you know, basically five years since I moved to Houston. Um, and it hasn't stopped or slowed down. I thought they might pause because of all the things going on right now, but that just isn't happening. So that's, that's why I love the city. It's got everything. Um, and it's, and it's still growing and changing and turning into something better than it is. So that's, that's interesting. Cause when I was, I think probably 18 or 19 years old, um, you know, a mentor, I guess it would be called now. He always told me, listen, if you're ever starting off out, out on your feet or you're looking for work or you're, you want opportunity, go to where the cranes are. And I looked at him, he said, oh, there's more little economies going on underneath that crane than you have any idea. And when you think about it, as the older I got and I looked at what a crane does represent, my goodness, it is. It is its own little economy underneath that crane because from the electricians to the concrete guys to just the manual laborers to the to the paper pushers in the middle 
to the real estate guys, to the everything. It's just incredible how that works. And then when I got to the oil and gas industry and saw that a well is like a crane on steroids, oh man, it was just, it was, it was entrepreneur overload for me. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys too is about last night's election, because you know how a lot of the economic development works. Just the, the other part was, People said Trump lost, or I'm sorry, Biden lost Pennsylvania. Um, you know, Brandon, you mentioned before you don't want to touch the East Coast with investing and along those different lines. And anyway, so that stood out to me. I got a bunch of texts last night that said Biden just lost Pennsylvania. So I, I, I thought it'd be a good time to comment about just kind of the East Coast, uh, either the, the mindset towards energy or if this is going to help change that mindset towards energy as kind of a reality check for the East Coast? I think we'll see after this election, but in my opinion, uh, Biden lost Pennsylvania a long time ago, lost Ohio a long time ago, Michigan a long time ago. Wisconsin is my next guess that he also lost a long time ago because of the policies of, of the, the, that, that side of the, the aisle, if you will. Um, that being said, the... There's some great assets on the East Coast um, related mostly natural gas uh, that we've looked at. And uh, for, for us, it's logistics more than anything right now. Um, but it, it, if things go well and the, the state legislatures in those, in those, in those states start um, becoming more conservative and more business friendly and more oil and gas friendly, we would absolutely consider it. Okay. Well, keep in mind also, Pennsylvania has a really strong ties with oil and gas, right? Uh, there's some there's some big investments in the high billion dollar uh, numbers uh, with respect to uh, converting natural gas into ethylene, uh, and that's a that's a huge market that really has probably put together some some different towns uh in pennsylvania so yeah, that's something to keep in mind and and that's that's people's uh way of living right i mean that's how they're making money and surviving with their families well let's talk about making money surviving with the families because you guys do have some investments that you've recently done and you've got some great bank rates and a number of different things that have been pretty good news over the past month so as we kind of wind down a little bit here, uh, this week's Mighty Money, let's talk a little bit about some updates that you guys have had recently in the investing side and may maybe even mention that uh, that bank uh, rate and, and that officer again, if you want to give him a plug, because I, I just heard three times last week people complaining about banks not loaning. I said, well, I know one in Texas that is. Uh, yeah, so go ahead. there's not that many that are. That's true. No, no, there's not. Their their hands are getting tied more and more, and a lot of them are scared to. There, a lot of them are scared to after that. Uh, you know, the big bailouts and the PPP and all that other stuff because they feel like they're under the microscope even more now. Whereas the the smart aggressive ones are like, oh no, now's the time where we're really finding the right buyers with the right uh, loans and everything like that. But uh, just give me a, give me an update. Are you guys still doing some Permian action down there? Well, that, that, it's funny that you mentioned that. I was, I was in a meeting around that earlier right before this call. So we're definitely looking into those areas. And, um, you know, to, to your point also with respect to uh, capital, it's, it's pretty crazy because if you look at it, you know, I think uh, from the feds, it's like, you know, 
banks are paying 0.09%, you know, basically 0% interest. But yeah, from a loans perspective, they're not, you know, they're not too happy about loaning out stuff. And, and probably a lot of it's due to being leveraged on their previous uh, loans and, and the way that they've kind of done business in the past. But yeah, the, the, the banks that we're dealing with, you know, I feel like they're extremely conservative. Um, you know, even with our, our uh, uh, RBL that we got, our, our reserve-based loan, um, you know, they were very conservative with the numbers. And, and that's something that we wanted, quite honestly. Uh, it was something that we didn't, you know, I, I don't want to get money for stuff that just because, you know, some guy says it on a report that it's okay that, you know, you just, that's how we create these situations that we're in right now. Less than 35, 40% leverage at, at the most. And um, that was right in their wheelhouse, which worked well for us. And the last thing you want in business is to be over leveraged. If you're over leveraged, you're, you're going out of business bankrupt at some point. And it's just, a, it's a given. Well, and who are you working for at that point too, right? At that point, you're working for the banks or you're working for whatever, uh, private equity company or whatever it is that you're doing, um, you know, but if you really want to have control of your business, you need to make sure you understand what leverage can do and, and be able to be leveraged at a right level. Uh, I think that's very important. Uh, First Capital Bank of Texas has, you know, provided that opportunity for us. Um, you know, Marcus Vidrine is our loan officer there, and he is just a pleasure to speak with. You know, I, I probably give him a, a call uh, once or twice a week and, you know, we, we, we talk about all sorts of different topics and, you know, it just kind of shows the character of him and the bank that he works for, because I feel that, you know, at the end of the day, the people that work for a company represent that company 100%. Uh, and they're just good people, you know, easygoing, understand the leverage market well and, you know, have positioned themselves to be able to still be providing loans even at times like these uh, that we're going through right now. So, uh, and you know, and this is something that we were... We've been working on with them through COVID, by the way, too. So, I mean, it's uh, it wasn't, you know, most when most banks said no, these guys were like, yeah, like, you know, it sounds like you guys are onto something. And that's really what, you know, you have to have that like mentality, and I think they have that. In addition to that, we are hiring, I think we identified six positions yesterday, and so we'll have um, uh, job descriptions coming out soon. But we're we've been hiring for the last 60 days, and um, it's going to get more aggressive because we're so busy. So uh, a lot going on, and it's all positive right now. Which well, it's because of the fact that we've created the positivity, though, right? I mean, that's one of those things that I don't think, you know, in industry, you don't get credit for these types of things, right? Reality-wise, we're creating jobs, even in markets like these, because of the fact that we're looking for opportunities that other people are not, are not even capable of, quite honestly, because they're not able to find the right financing. They're not able to find the right deals. I mean, I, you know, I spent a lot of my time looking at different deals that Jeremy and others put together. And, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, a lot of them are no, 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 I, I'm not I'm not getting into that. But at the same time, there's ones that, hey, th- that this makes sense. Let's talk with them. And as Brandon pointed out earlier, we're looking to be able to, you know, the, the pie is large, guys. You know, you just need a small piece of that pie. And if you can be able to share it and everyone can be able to make something off of it, that's the best opportunity because that's how you're going to de-risk your actual investment. And that's really what we're focused on. And uh, and that's kind of, you know, the earlier call that I was talking about, we're looking at being able to partner. Uh, the things that are going on in the Permian are expensive. So if we can be able to partner and get a piece of it and be able to provide that for our, for our partnerships, uh, I think that's a great opportunity to be able to get into. I think there's something to be said, too, about, you know, if, if you're somebody in industry and you're listening to this, for example, and you're, you're thinking about where to put money 
what direction to do it. There's something to be said about reinvesting in your own industry because what you just said is very important that especially during times like this, those that are creating jobs are the ones that really should be the ones that are being supported because they're the ones that are finding the, the, the new niches in the marketplace to ignite the opportunity that's going to create the jobs. So if it's somebody from industry, there's something to be said about reinvesting within your industry as well. So I thought I'd you just know, throw that out there. This is new, new territory. So we're really, the way that I look at it, we're really pioneers uh, again, right? I mean, like, even though the times have moved forward, you know, in this new time, we're pioneers and we're actually going out there and finding opportunities for people. I mean, for, for our partners, for our, the folks that are in our office, right? We, you know, you, either you can go out of business or you can go in and dig in deeper and, and find the right areas to be able to benefit from and and uh, allow that to be able to get you to grow further there's, there's the way i look at it there's two kinds of people they're the kinds that make um make lemonade out of lemons every time because that's what they do and that's what we try to do um and then there's the people that just let it sour them and sit around and complain about how sour the lemons are you know that's it i don't know brandon i think we make margaritas out of the lemons i'm just saying <laughs> I, I was going to say, for me, I never let them get sour. I just throw them back at the bus. <laughs> After a while, I realize they don't taste good anymore. I just chuck them back because you got to oh, move wow, on. Right? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, I mean, that's that. As we've talked about this before, sometimes, hey, so you just got to move on. Sometimes, you know, and and uh, things aren't good. But other times, hey, it's Margaritaville. You know, it, it is. <laughs> So is it Margaritaville, guys, or what? I know it's Friday, you know, but... Uh, Whenever you come back down to Houston, we'll have Margaritaville over at Cabos and Indians. How about that? That sounds like a good time, man. In fact, we should do a nice financial show from that patio one day. That was a good time. Uh, nice patio that you have there. and got a lot of compliments on uh, just the mural, that, uh, that well, colorful it was mural. A, it was a blast, by the way. I really enjoyed uh, th that you came down. I, I, it was really a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but uh, just kind of wrapping up, guys, we're getting close to, you know, uh, election time and we're getting close to where people are going to start spending their money again. Because, you know, as soon as the uh, election season is over, there's going to be this big kind of sigh of relief and this dam and this whole thing's going to happen. And so uh, talk a little bit, you know, kind of center people a little bit why you believe that the oil and gas industry or just that whole sector is a very good place and time to invest. You know, it, a lot of this just has to do with timing, right? Um, if you look, honestly, we just updated. Uh, Jeremy uh, w w was kind enough to be able to update a lot of our website uh, content-wise from a blog perspective. So we're tr starting to do like a, a blog and kind of keep it up to date with different current events. Um, and a lot of what I was kind of going through from COVID onward, just a, just a great, uh, great story, right? You know, things hit bottom, things went negative, uh, you know, came back up to 20 bucks that same day, and it just slowly progressed forward. You know, still a lot of volatility out there, but, you know, volatility is where people make money. And, um, you know, with that said, you know, gas is at $3.00. Uh, which is incredible. I mean, uh, who would ever thought, considering that it was at a dollar sixty or something like that earlier in the year, 
Uh, and then oil has been very consistent. I mean, it's been, even with the volatility, it's been consistently over $40, which is a great place to be because when we're looking at deals, you know, and, and we always have skin in the game in our deals, right? So that's very important to kind of, you know, provide that input to folks because we're not just selling something. We're part of it. Uh, I think that's a big different differentiation com considering some of the competition out there. Uh, but I think one of the biggest things there that I have to say is that, you know, we're looking at deals that make sense to us at today's dollars. And um, and that's what we're trying to share with our partners, too. And I think that's the real opportunity that's out there. Uh, if you guys want more information around that, uh, www.swanenergyinc.com. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, info at swanenergyinc.com. Uh, and that'll get to the right department within our group. And um, that's about it. All right, I got one more question. Let's say if I was going to entertain a nice lady down in Houston, hey, Brandon, where should I take her out to dinner? Uh, depends on what she looks like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh.